Welcome to No Baller. I am Chris Rawl, and it is Wednesday, May 19th. On today's show, a battle between two of the brightest stars in sports is tonight. Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Before we get to that, for the very first time, we're introducing a new segment on this show, Why Gambling Should Be Legal in Utah. Tidbit from my own personal life that I'll share with you every day. Last night, the Pacers play the Hornets in the 9 versus 10 playing game. It was an abomination of a basketball game. And I feel very ashamed admitting on air that I watched it, but I did. And I feel even more ashamed because I bet under 227 and a half points for the total scored. So I settle in to watch this game. And there's a backup center on the Hornets. His name is Cody Zeller. He looks like a long-lost Haas brother from Brigham Young University Basketball. He looks like a guy that you would go down and find at the Provo Rec Center who would just put your ass into the basket and sweat all over you and sweat through a white Hanes t-shirt. This is Cody Zeller. So I'm settling in and I'm just rooting for the lack of points from all sides. And against all odds, Cody Zeller, a person who scores eight points per game on average throughout his career, he scores 17 on seven for seven shooting. And DeMontis Sabonis is balling out for the Pacers. And the final score is Indiana 144 to the Hornets 117. They hit the over by four miles. So you hear that and you go, Chris, why should gambling be legal in Utah? Because you got blasted in a bet. And me, the man who looks for silver linings and all things, I say gambling should be legal in Utah because it will do stuff like this. It will make you care about what Cody Zeller does on offense. And now a word from our sponsor, Traeger Grills. Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. Lakers versus Warriors, LeBron James versus Steph Curry. That is what we are staring down the barrel of tonight. At 8 o'clock Rocky Mountain time, the Lakers and the Warriors play for the seventh seed in the Western Conference. The loser will go and play the winner of the 9-10 game. It's essentially a game six where both teams are up 3-2, if that makes sense. The winner will advance. The loser still has one more chance to advance. The Lakers currently, they're floating around minus five. The total's floating around 219 and a half. And I am giddy with anticipation because there's a lot riding on this game. I've explained some of the stakes there. A lot of teams are watching this with great interest, most notably the Jazz and the Suns. The Jazz are the one seed. The Suns are the two seed. Who wins tonight and who wins moving forward? That will dictate who those teams are playing in the first round of the playoffs and who they could potentially match up with in the second round of the playoffs. So there's a lot that's going into tonight. And out of everything that's tied into this game, my mind goes to the two biggest stars. My favorite player of all time, LeBron James, and one of my favorite players to watch of all time, and probably the most unique basketball player of our lifetime, Steph Curry, who have met many times in the playoffs, four different times in the NBA Finals they have played. Curry, has, Curry and the Warriors have won three of those. The last two are just total runaways. And the one series that LeBron won is the greatest playoff series of his entire career, the 2016 NBA Finals, Cavs versus Warriors. Uh, something that we should realize about how 
intertwined these two players have been with the lives of NBA fans, there has not been an NBA Finals without at least one of them since 2010, over one decade. These two players have been balling out on the brightest stages or the biggest stages and the brightest lights, and they've just been there constantly. So tonight is going to be another chapter uh, between this. I don't necessarily want to call it a rivalry because I don't think it's fully that, but just this constant battle between two of the greatest stars of our lifetime. I want to read a quote about Steph and LeBron when it comes to tonight's game. It comes from Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal. Steph versus LeBron? Yes, please. Curry is a mid season for the ages. The greatest shooter in NBA history has somehow figured out how to be an even better shooter, routinely lofting the ball from distances that get mortals benched and rewriting the angles of possibility in the game. Curry is 33 now, and he's in his Federer phase. That is to say he's become an experience, someone the sports fan watches not only because he's so fluid and magical, but also because we might never see someone play like him again. Curry is unadulterated basketball joy. The MVP of this year says none other than LeBron James, a claim that may make Nikola Jokic turn his head. And he's also this season's chaos agent, elevating a scattered, injured Golden State club into the team nobody wants to face. When Steph can score from there, and also there, and there, and even there, how can any opponent feel super confident? End quote. This sets the stage for the most interesting part of tonight's game, in my opinion. The agent of chaos, Steph Curry. A dude who averaged 32 points per game this season on 48% from the field, 42% from three, 92% from the free throw line. He set an NBA record for made threes per game, averaging 5.3. That broke his old record. Uh, And he has pieced together arguably his finest offensive season. That includes two other MVP seasons in 2015 and 2016. His stats from those times. 2015, he averaged 24 points per game on 48-44-91 shooting splits. And 2016, 30 points per game on 50-45-90. We're seeing about as good as we've seen from Steph Curry, which is incredible. Looking back on his past. Looking back on those two MVP seasons. Looking back on when he was with... Durant, and he channeled an even more efficient manner of shooting in a way that we didn't really think was possible. And that agent of chaos, that looms really large in a one-game scenario, this game six that both teams are leading three to two. Because no matter how much better you think one team might be than another team, when you have somebody who seems like he can control the chaotic aspect of basketball, as Curry does, that freaks you the hell out if you're the opposition. And so the Lakers are sitting there on the other side going, we're comfortable in our defensive scheme and being in the right place and having all these athletes. However, there's something that ties into that magical experience that Curry brings to the table. That experience that says, against all odds, Curry can shoot a 35-foot contested three-pointer, and when it's in the air, you always feel like it's going in. That's a freaky feeling in a one-game scenario. So that matchup is the thing that I look at with great, great interest for tonight's game. The agent of chaos on one side, the best offensive player in basketball this season, against a team that theoretically 
and this comes with a lot of questions because of the health issues that everybody's well aware of with LeBron and AD. Theoretically, no team is more equipped to make Steph Curry work for his points and his assists than the Lakers when they institute a small ball lineup. And I'll say small ball with really big air quotes around it. Because when you're rolling out Anthony Davis and LeBron James and pick your poison of three of the smaller but really good defensive crowd between Dennis Schroeder or Alex Caruso or Contavious Caldwell-Pope or Kyle Kuzma, Markeith Morris, the lineup that has defensive energy and size and length in a way that is built to fluster offense in general, but really offense that's built around one individual person. So this matchup, it comes down to strength versus strength, which is always so entertaining as a fan. You go, what's your best versus your best? Steph Curry, the one-man magical offensive show, is your best going to trump this incredible defense, a defense that even without LeBron or AD for long stretches, finished this season number one in defensive net rating, whose strength comes out on top? Is it Frank Vogel's defensive structure? that again, helped carry the Lakers to the best defense in the league this year, despite not having their two best defensive players for a lot of the season. A dude who in the past built a defensive structure and turned the Indiana Pacers into one of the best defensive teams in basketball, a team that would give LeBron, who was at his apex in Miami, it would give him problems. Defensive architect with talent at his disposal versus the greatest offensive player of his generation. That's a hell of a matchup. That's what we're going into tonight. Uh, and who comes out on top between those two things, that's probably going to dictate who wins this game. Strangely enough, Golden State has actually mirrored the Lakers' style of basketball this year. We hear about this transcendent offensive season from Curry, and we think, oh, the Warriors must be their old selves, this awesome offensive team. They come in and out on the defensive side, but when they need to buckle down, they can play great defense. That hasn't been the case this year. They've actually been a pretty consistently great defensive team by defensive net rating, fifth in the league this year. And yet, even with Curry's season going on offensively, they finished 20th in offensive rating. So it's kind of these two offenses that have struggled somewhat as a team against two defenses that are actually their team's strength. Again, something that's very interesting tying into tonight. Uh, who can get the most out of their offense? Can LeBron and Anthony Davis, two isolation scorers who are built for playoff-style basketball, are they going to be at full strength? Is LeBron still going to be shaking off rust? Is Anthony Davis doing the same thing? Is, is he fully healthy? Does he feel comfortable playing basketball? It's a one-off against Steph Curry. Do they feel comfortable trying to trade buckets in that scenario? A lot of questions and a lot of very intriguing propositions when we think about tonight's game. I'm going to read another quote about this Golden State Warriors offense versus Los Angeles Lakers defense and how I think it's the matchup of the game. This one comes from Anthony Slater of The Athletic. Rudy Gobert led the NBA with 231 dunks this season. Nobody on the Warriors made more than 84. They didn't even have a player in the top 17. Yet, as a team... The Warriors led the league in dunks, 370 spread all across the roster. That's 45 more than Utah's 325 dunks, despite getting 231 from Gobert. That's an illuminating statistic. The Warriors don't have a Gobert or a Giannis Antetokounmpo, 177 dunks, but they created more free looks at the rim than anybody 
Because of the gravitational pull of Curry on the perimeter, Green's genius and sometimes reckless passing, and Kerr's stubborn belief in his motion system instead of a more direct, modern attack. End quote. Sets the table again. Motion in space on offense, all predicated off of Curry and the gravity that he creates within a system. The defense always has to respond to where he is. It doesn't matter if he has the ball or if he does. As soon as he crosses half court, a, a defense that is worth its that is good or, or anything, they have to be aware of what he's doing. Uh, even if he's standing in a corner with his hands on his knees, a defense is hyper aware of that just because of what Curry is. The best shooter of all time who can shoot from every conceivable angle and with or without the ball in his hands, a defense has to respect him and play him and that creates space for other people that, that causes Golden State to lead the league in dunks. And then on the other side, it's that pterodactyl presence of Anthony Davis, of LeBron, of a lot of really gifted defenders who, while it's called a small ball lineup, the lineup that the Lakers rode to a title last year, it's not small. (laughs) We think it is because of the speed and the ability with which that entire lineup can close out and then suddenly be back at the rim and cover vast amounts of space very quickly. But they do that because they are long and they are big. Anthony Davis and LeBron are always two of, if not the two biggest players on the floor at any given time. That's not a small ball lineup, but because of their speed, we treat it as such. And it also creates a defense that won an NBA championship last year and going into tonight's game against Golden State, it allows the Lakers to say, all right, we feel good about trying to match up against the agent of chaos the dude who has pulled the rabbit out of a hat over and over and over again this entire season. So the other side of this star equation is LeBron James, as I mentioned, my favorite basketball player of all time, who has missed 27 games this season. He still wound up averaging 25 points per game and nearly eight rebounds and eight assists per game. For an NBA record 17th consecutive season, LeBron has averaged at least 25 points per game. Uh, His longevity is astounding, and I'm very aware as his career is on the downward descent uh, that this will end at some point, and so celebrate and really cherish anything that LeBron brings to the table because you just don't really know how much more the dude's going to be playing basketball. I want to read another quote from Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal when it comes to LeBron. No player in NBA history has a switch like the 36-year-old Akron native. He literally calls it his playoff mode. And while James in December can still be a marvel, what happens right now is a far more intense deal. He's returned from the ankle, and it's unclear if he's gotten enough recovery. But remember, he's now playing with another 360-degree handful, Anthony Davis. The Lakers are defending champs and have their band finally back together. End quote. The injuries are a big question, uh, but playoff LeBron never is because never in the history of his career have we seen anything less than the highest level of play consistently from LeBron James. That's what makes that playoff LeBron moniker so impactful. We've never seen anything less than the very best. 
He's continually throughout his career turned his game up a notch. A game that in the regular season is winning most valuable player a bunch of times in his career, four different times, and is consistently talked about as one of the best players in the game. He somehow consistently has taken that to another level in the playoffs. And even as he's gotten older and we go, sooner or later, age has to start showing, and it will, and it does. That's just the truth of life and the way that the human body ages. We still haven't seen that in the playoffs. We've seen chinks in the armor in the last, or two of the last three regular seasons. The first year in Los Angeles, he strains a groin. He's out for over 20 games, the first meaningful injury of his career. And again this year, high ankle sprain against the Hawks back in March, out for 27 or so games combined with what he'd missed beforehand. And we're seeing LeBron as more mortal than we viewed him in the past. The playoff machine who was never injured, who could play 48 minutes without fail, who did that at the start of his career, who did that even in the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics in Game 7 when the Cavaliers needed it because they didn't have anybody else who could carry a load. And LeBron, at this late stage of his career, with all of these minutes piled up, regular season and playoff, LeBron came out and played 48 minutes on the road and led them to victory. And that's just what we expect now from LeBron. And at some point, that won't be there, whether it's because he's gotten older or because he's injured or because he has retired and he's out of the league. But I'm hyper aware of the end drawing near. And so a game like tonight and the playoffs getting set, I don't know how many more chances LeBron is going to have to, importantly for him, win titles, but for me as a fan, just how many more chances I get to watch playoff LeBron. So that is everything that ties into tonight. That's why I'm excited. Uh, And I think everybody who likes sports on any level should also be excited because the greatest things about stars crossing in the playoffs or in a play-in, especially stars at the level of Curry and LeBron, two of the very brightest stars of our generation. It inspires the best in everyone. It inspires the best in themselves, in their teammates, uh, and just what we expect as fans when we watch the game. So I'm going to close this episode by reading something that I wrote about Game 7 of the 2016 Finals, one of the defining memories for me as an NBA fan and as a LeBron fan, and something that, as I read... Hopefully tonight can offer us a similar experience. There is beauty in the stories no one sees. June 19, 2016. The pressure. It's a vacuum sucking air from lungs and chopping breath to short gasps. A weight I can't lift, a mountain I can't climb. I'm going to die. Game 7 doesn't begin for 10 hours. I eat sparingly. I talk nervously with friends and family in the morning. Retreat to solitude as game time inches closer. I feel sick. I can't think of what the night may hold. Ecstasy stronger than a drug. Dismay deeper than an ocean. Opening tip, my heart pounds like a drum. Every possession is Armageddon. I can't remember what it was like before this. To take breaths light and easy and free. J.R. Smith misses a three, and I smash a wooden table. Steph makes a layup, and I bury head and hands. I spend commercial breaks unmoving, jaws chomping madly against flavorless gum. Halftime is eternity. I stumble around my apartment in a daze,
praying to God and the devil and LeBron and anyone who will have me. The pressure. It tightens in the third quarter. Kyrie and JR erasing a seven-point deficit. I can't breathe. I can't think. I can't dream. I'm caught inside a vortex of time and expectation, one molecule of chaos vibrating faster and faster until implosion. I'm going to die. LeBron rises in the fourth. A jumper. Another bucket. Three free throws. A three to take the lead. Iguodala drives to the hoop with under two minutes. Tie game. My heart can't take it. I need this game to end because it means too much. And I can't explain why. And I just want to feel the deep, buried calm between inhale and exhale. LeBron streaks into the picture, a freight train whistling at light speed. He pins ball against backboard, the force knocking me from chair to floor. I can't rise. I need an undertaker to arrive with shovel and Bible and bury me in this very spot, mutter sweet words and be done with it. One minute later, Kyrie buries a three. I rise. I've never been this alive. Every hair standing, every inch of skin afire. 53 seconds later, the buzzer sounds. My mind can't process what my eyes see. LeBron crying and screaming and cradling the basketball in one giant arm. I'm trembling. I can't sit or stand. I walk outside into the cool summer night. Sky black, deep, and comforting. A breeze swirls. Leaves rustle against one another, and for the first time in hours, I breathe deep. My chest floats in the rise and fall. One breath flows into another, then another, then another. And on a night I can't forget, I slip through the veil from chaos to calm. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.